This is Salt City Hoops on ESPN 700. We'll have two hours of advanced analysis, the X's and O's, headlines around the NBA, and breakdown of your Utah Jazz. Here are your hosts, Zach Harper and Andy Larson, on Utah's number one sports talk, ESPN 700. And we, we're in. This is uh, the Salted Hoop Show on ESPN 700. I'm Andy Larson, the Utah Jazz beat writer for KSL.com, uh, managing editor of Salt City Hoops, the ESPN True Hoop affiliate of the Utah Jazz. Uh, joining you just, I think it's two days. Wow, it's so soon until the beginning of free agency, a week since the NBA draft and the Utah Jazz drafting Grayson Allen out of Duke. We'll talk a little bit about that, but usually on the Salt City Hoop Show, we're a pretty forward-looking bunch, and there are so many different options and so many possibilities for the Utah Jazz and free agency this uh, in, over the next two weeks that we want to talk about that. Of course, we want to answer your questions as well. Hey, Andy, can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. You can hear me. Joining me is Ben Anderson. Sorry. Host of Ben and Gunther here. So I'm actually producing this show, too, which yeah. uh, is new for me. I haven't done this in several years, so... I- uh, I like it. I mean, we're we're looking at each other through a glass. No, I feel so pain. inferior to you <laughs> right now. Uh, yeah, this is the Salt City Hoop Show, and uh, we've got a lot going on. Yeah. Follow us on Twitter at Andy B Larson. Andy is the managing editor. I'm sure he said this uh, of Salt City Hoops it, and uh, the beat writer for the Utah Jazz at KSL.com. I'm your co-host on Gunther and Ben. So uh, make sure you uh, tune in two to six Monday through Friday. And uh, tweet at us at Ben's Hoops, as I mentioned at Andy B Larson. You got questions about the Utah Jazz? You want to answer them? Uh, Andy, where should we start? Do you want to go back to the draft? We haven't really talked about it. We weren't even here a week before the draft, yeah. and we didn't have a show yesterday or last week because on Thursday was the draft. Let's talk about it a little bit, and then I, I want to get to our listener questions in a few minutes, if that's all right. But let's let's hit on Grayson Allen because he did have his introductory press conference yesterday. We haven't had a chance to talk about him as the selection for the Utah Jazz. I think listeners of the show will know that you and I were not the biggest Grayson Allen fans in the world. I, I guess me specifically. You were you were pretty pro him. him. Yeah. I liked him. I didn't love him. He was okay. on the guy. You know, he wasn't Kevin Herter, who I really liked. I liked Josh Okoge leading up to the draft yeah. a lot. But Grayson Allen was a guy I liked. I just didn't know if he was a star. I'm, I'm you know, I know he's not a star actually. Yeah, <laughs> he's not a star, but he can play. I think he's an NBA player. Yeah, I, I agree with that, and I, I, I do think it's kind of a low-risk, low-reward kind of pick, which is kind of the opposite of the way that the Jazz have done things in recent years, and one reason why I was kind of surprised that that was the selection. But, you know, it, there is a world in which, like, his intersection of athleticism and shooting becomes a really useful NBA player, the kind that, you know, is staying on the floor and is, uh, you know, helping you in real playoff games. I'm concerned about the age. I'm concerned about the defense and some other things. Um, but, you know, he, he may be able to improve on the defense and, and be at least an, an average player there. And then, it, you know, once you can stay on the court that way, uh, he, he can show his other talents. Again, the hard part about Duke was that they played so much zone. Right. So it was kind of hard to tell how much he was guy, uh, defending guys one-on-one, how much he was playing man defense and playing well. I think that was one of the issues for depicting or, or really, I guess, uh, trying to uh, extract what kind of a defender Grayson Allen was when he was at Duke. Changing the players that he played with so often, I just think is weird. He he can't be the best player on the floor and you be a good NBA team. And I think too often, actually, he was the best player on the floor for Duke. I mean, his junior junior and senior season, there's an argument that he was the best player on the floor. Now, they had better NBA players, Jason Tatum, Marvin Bagley. uh, they, They had better guys that were on the floor than Grayson Allen. But... 
he's the most experienced player. He was the oldest player. He'd been in the most games. He was actually probably the best that day basketball player on the floor. He got he had the ball in his hands way too much. He's not that type yeah. of player. He's an off. He's a weak side basketball player, and the Jazz can use him that way. And I was really encouraged to look at his numbers for the last two years, and you know, especially uh, the plus minus kind of numbers. And look at when he was on the floor for Duke last year. They were fantastic. They were honestly plus 16 points per 100 possessions. Uh, they were they were great. And, and then uh, when he was off the floor, they were they were a very very average college basketball team. And the same was true last year. Even him kind of outpacing guys like Jason Tatum. Uh, you know, even as even as a junior. So I, that was really encouraging to me. And and I am a big believer in plus minus. And so that he was. You know, impact, finding ways to impact the game without necessarily you know scoring as many points as he did in his sophomore year, or even looking that good, quite frankly, is, yeah. is a good thing. There, okay, so this is why, what's scary about him. I don't want to have to convince myself to like somebody yeah, when I watch right. him the way I did with Trey Lyles. I remember thinking like, oh, he's a basketball player's basketball player. <laughs> like, if you like basketball, you're going to like all the little things nope. he does. That's a bad sign. Yeah. Uh, but then again, you know, Grayson Allen does a lot of things. The hustle is there. Yeah. He hit a ton of big shots at Duke. You know he can shoot the ball. I mean, he doesn't always shoot it great. He was bad in open shot situations later in his career, was much better earlier in his career. Also, how he was getting the ball, I think, was different at Duke than how he's going to get the ball when he's with the Jazz. I think he is going to get more kick-out opportunities, and I think he will look better in that spot. Completely agreed. And I think you know playing with an advantage is going to be a big deal, not only on those kick-out opportunities, but... Playing a little bit smarter on the pick and roll, and, and honestly, just having more space at the NBA level, I do think that he is going to be one of those guys who really benefits from that. Um, it, to me, like it, it, it's nearly entirely a question about defense. You know, I, yeah. I, I think if he's a, um, you know, I, I don't know exactly how good of a three point shooter he's going to be. If he's a thirty five percent guy or a forty percent guy, and that's that matters a lot. But either way, he'll be able to stay on the floor if he is a average defensive player. Um, and, and you talk to different people, you know, you talk to the Jets who drafted him and they all believe that Grayson is a, was a quality defender at Duke. And you look at the plus minus numbers and you say, well, he wasn't helping things, but he wasn't really hurting things either. Uh, when you talk to Duke fans that I've talked to, they're not impressed. They thought right. that he was beaten in the biggest moments by NBA caliber players. Huh. Um, and he played a lot of them. And he in the played ACC. a lot of them. Yeah, exactly. There, it's not like there was one game that he was bad. There right. would have been a lot of games you would have recognized that he was not great. And so that's that's discouraging, right? And I think that's maybe the one thing that I'll be watching most during the summer league action, which honestly might matter more for Grayson Allen than it does, you know, any other any other prospect in this in this draft, just because he does he is older than everybody else and needs to show that he can he can help right away. So here's what uh, the people the Jazz I know said to me about Grayson Allen after the Jazz drafted him. Yeah. He, quote, he plays hard and is competitive, which is fine. You know, it's not good. like, well, yeah, obviously his other skills are so good. Unlike Trey Lyles, you know, like, right. if if we're honest, you know, that was a problem with the last Jazz draft bust. Well, and also, he didn't play that hard. That might be a question about, that might be something that separated him from the other guys that were available at 20 to 26. Okay. I mean, some of those other guys that were there, maybe the Jazz felt like, well, there's a question about whether or not he's actually going to play that hard. There's a question yeah. about whether or not now Kate of H. Jop ended up draft, dropping to 40 or whatever it was to Minnesota. There might be a question of just he just didn't play hard. I mean, oh, you like guy, him, but he does not play. My guy, Ali Kobo was the same way. Like, just clearly took defensive plays off. Yeah. Grayson Allen doesn't do that. Uh, when he gets beat, I think he gets beat because of af- uh, kind of lateral quickness, which he was actually very good at at the combine, but I don't think he showed it. 
and then he was he was reaching. You know, he was trying to make a play and, and just failing. I think Grayson Allen is going to endear himself to fans. I don't think he's going to look great in the summer league, but I think going back to kind of what you said earlier, he just might be a plus four every time he's on the floor. Yeah, he just Which you know great. The, yeah. If you come off the bench and the team's five points better over a fifteen minute stretch that you're in the in the game, I think that matters. I think he's going to be always around the ball when there's a loose ball because that's who he was at Duke. I mean, he was always that guy. There's going to be a lot of plays where it felt like Grayson Allen was involved in a big play. Yeah, uh, and I, I think there are going to yeah I think that will probably happen at the NBA level even if he doesn't turn out to be able to stick on the floor. You know, like. Trevor Booker, for whatever reason, fell out of the rotation, right, to some degree. But even when he was in and out of the rotation, he still made enough great plays that, you know, he became a Jazz fan favorite. Ditto with even guys like Jeff Withy, who, you know, made the most of his limited minutes even when he was in and out of the rotation. I mean, he can still be a fan favorite and be that guy, but not be able to bring it defensively night in and night out. And, you know, honestly, he'll probably suck as a rookie, and maybe that's not fair because every rookie sucks defensively. Um, Yeah. It'll, you know, a, most do anyway. Any way that Grayson Allen sucks as a rookie is a little bit more concerning because he's not 19, Agreed. though. Agreed. And that's that's why I, I don't love the pick. Uh, and, I, yeah, you know what? I, I, I wouldn't give the Jazz an A-plus for getting Grayson Allen at 21. No. But I I also could see myself easily proven wrong. I could also, in a in six months, we could all be saying, sure. yeah, we get why a lot of people had him at 35 on the board. What, what do you make of Dennis saying on draft night that, there were two teams that wanted to trade for him or move up in front of the Jazz to to get Grayson Allen. I get it. Sure, and I believe it. Okay. Grayson Allen steps in and helps you. Yeah. That's what I think a lot of teams, and if you're competing for a championship, $1.9 million on a player you're developing who's the 15th guy on your bench doesn't do anything for you if you're Golden State. That's horrible. Yeah. You hate that. But Golden State, if they could get Grayson Allen to come in and come off the bench for 10 minutes and hit get four threes in 10 minutes and hit two of them is a, is a nice advantage. Jazz, the problem is the Jazz don't have that advantage yet at this point. I also do this, again, this is, he's got weird intangible things that are hard to, like, talk about, like playing hard, like hitting big shots, like hitting tough shots. It's like a weird thing to measure. I also yep. think some of his shooting numbers were bad. Go watch a Duke game. I guarantee you he takes the last shot before halftime, and he takes the last shot of the game, and then he takes two or three late clock situation shots. Every single game, he ended up with the ball in his hands late. Maybe that's a him problem. You know, that doesn't always mean it was a Duke problem. Maybe it was a him problem, but it was probably a little bit of both. Hopefully he can up his shooting percentages when he's not being asked to do those things. But there, there's also intangibles about, I feel like there's a Grayson Allen on most championship teams. Sure. Now, I don't mean a six foot five white guy who played at Duke. I mean, and not that specific, but a guy like that. He can be a little bit of an instigator. He's a little bit of a glue guy. He's a little bit of a... You're, you're Draymond Green. You're Marcus Smart. Right. You're Bruce Bowen. You now, know, like Shane Battier. Right. We've changed the type of player that is sure. now because we're asking those guys to be way more skilled. Or maybe the guys who were these multi-tool players in the past that we weren't thinking of as traditional stars are now the modern stars, like Draymond Green, guys like that. But I, I do think Draymond... I, I think we've seen guys like Grayson Allen have roles on really good teams. I think that's a good sign. Even if he's... Matthew Delavadova, right? Like, yeah. I think that's a realistic outcome. As like he's pesty and and actually not that good defensively when you break it down, right? But causes real annoyances in the playoffs, and you know can do enough things offensively that it doesn't kill you. And again, my NBA comp for him is Derek Fisher. I think that's okay. who he is. And Derek Fisher will. And, I mean, he's five inches taller than Derek Fisher was. I think. I mean, Fisher was not a big player. Maybe he wasn't six six feet tall, but he was probably six one or six two. Uh, you've got better size from Grayson Allen. Good athleticism, though Fisher dunked on some guys when he was younger, too. Yeah. 
but he just was kind of involved in big plays and hit big shots and was on the floor late because coaches trusted him. That's exactly Grayson Allen to me. You could probably trust him in some big spots with the ball in his hand. I don't know if you can trust him playing defense late in the game. He'll have to show that. He'll draw charges the same way Gray, uh, the same way Derek Fisher did, hit some threes, and you'll say like, eh, sure, he's, I get why he's there. Sometimes you hate him. Sometimes you're really good to love him. I, I like that comp. I haven't heard that from you. That's that's nice. Um, do you want to get to yeah? Yeah, let's get to some work. questions. Get some to uh, the, your questions. Let's see. Let's do. Um, <laughs> we've got some interesting questions. Um, Travis, uh, while we're talking about the draft, at T Wilk six thirty six asked question: When the Jazz traded their second round pick for cash, where does the cash go? Can the team use it for any purpose? This was actually one reason I was disappointed Dennis Lindsay wasn't at the podium yesterday with Grayson Allen because I wanted to ask him about the second round uh, cash trade. But yeah, the Jazz can use it for anything. It's not cap room though, so it's not right. You can't use it to you know sign Paul George or whatever, right? With with room you didn't have. It's just it's just straight cash, homie. You know, oh, like it's- right. Okay, so we talked to Gordy Chiesa earlier today. Okay. And Gordy said this. He said that the Jazz, the three million dollars the Jazz got to help facilitate the Andres Biadrins, Richard Jefferson, Andre Iguodala, eventually Rodney Hood, all those trades that got Iguodala to Golden State that kind of started this whole thing, yeah. and got Rodney Hood eventually to the Utah Jazz. Actually, I think kind of got Trey Burke to the Jazz. If I'm right, they used one of those picks there. I could be wrong, uh, but I, I yes, think I'm I think right there. Right. Uh, I mean, that was their Jazz own pick, but they traded one. those two picks. The one that ended up being. Gorgie Jang, I think, was originally a pick that ended up so. getting moved up so the Jazz could get Trey Burke. The Jazz also got $3 million in that deal, and that $3 million turned into Rudy Gobert alongside Eric Green. Sure, but if we're honest, the Jazz could have traded the $3 million anyway. You know, if, if the, Right, like, but an owner may not, be less willing sure. if they didn't acquire that money somewhere else. And, and what I've been told, and I don't know if this is, this is true or not, but... It, the what I've been told is those three million dollars that the Jazz can spend, and actually it's up to five million dollars in the latest CBA. But uh, that you know, Gail Miller would be willing to make that check. You know, if if Dennis Lindsay said it would help the team, that's to me why I, I don't like that the Jazz sold the second round pick. You know, I, I to me franchises that uh, are are doing whatever it takes to win on the basketball court are you know making. You know, whatever kind of gamble you can at 52. I don't know if that's a draft and stash. I don't know if that's a G League player. I don't know if that's a two way guy that you think you can sign. And, you know, there may not have been the very good options there, but I just feel like that one to two percent that you find a helpful basketball player at number 52. Uh, you know, go get a guy like the Siv, I, I don't even know, the, the Siv Mihailichuk or the, the, oh, the kid with short arms. What's his name? Right. Uh, uh, Mikhailuk. Mikhailuk. Thank you. Yeah. Um, the Kansas kid, the shooter. But you can shoot, right? Like right. he might be Channing Fry. You know, Sh- Shake Milton was still on the board. Shake Milton was still on the board. Yeah, Costa Santacupo was still on the board. Like yeah. some interesting guys were out there still. Yeah, and you know they're probably you're right that there's not space on the roster for them. So if 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 it's a guy that you know will have to go overseas, that makes it a little bit less interesting. But still, I I feel like the Jazz are making enough money. Um, and sure they've they've had the investments in the arena and the practice facility and whatever. I still feel like still they're making, making enough, enough money. Yeah. To, you own an NBA you know, team that you bought for $25 million right. is worth a billion dollars. Exactly. You're we cash positive. We can spend a million and a half dollars on keeping the 52 pick. Can I give you a hot take? Sure. Dennis Lindsay's a bad second-round draft picker. That's probably true. Uh, let's go back. He started in 2012 with the Jazz. Maybe he started after the draft. 
But either way, Kevin Murphy, not a player. Never did anything in the NBA. Uh, Eric Green. I mean, it was great. You traded him. <laughs> yeah, not, but, but he's not a so jazz that's guy. that's not his fault. Jarnell Stokes. Uh, traded but him. traded it. Uh, Danny Diaz. Traded, traded it. it. Olivier Hanley. For cash. Traded him. Now, you drafted him. He didn't make the league, and Maybe so you, you traded, traded him. For Boris Dio. Tyrone Wallace actually did make the league, but you didn't recognize it, and you got rid of him. Yeah, but that's exactly the kind of pick that you may be able to make at number 52. Right, Joel Ballenboy. Bleak. Yeah. Uh, Isaiah Whitehead, you didn't keep him, right? I think you traded him. Now, all these are like after 45. You know, it's, it's right. a bad end of the, of the second round. Nigel Williams-Goss, not even on the Utah Jazz Summer League roster. Now, he should be on the Summer League roster. You know, he's obviously like talented enough to right. be on the Summer League roster. And but was, he's on a two-year deal in Europe, right? right? And maybe that is why he's not I, playing I suspect the Jazz. so. And, but he was their MV, the MVP of the league he played in. So uh, credit to him. Thomas Bryant who you actually traded so you could trade up and get Tony Bradley, which is weird. Uh, Vince Edwards, who you sold. Like, yeah. That's a really bad second it's round. Like, you good. must have realized, there, there must be something that Dennis Lindsay sees in the numbers that says it's just better to trade him. Just always see, trade the second round pick. I get why it's better. I could see it being better to trade it if you're, um, you know, moving, moving up to go get a Rudy Gobert or you're moving up to go get a Tony Bradley. You know, whatever that is, fine, I get it. And the Jazz have made some trades in the Dennis Lindsay era to go get second round picks, right? Yeah. I mean, that's what they did with like Carrick Neto, Felix and right? Howell. Yeah, I mean, actually, yeah, isn't Howell Neto is Howell Neto a Dennis Lindsay pick? Uh, actually, the Jazz bought it from the Atlanta Hawks, if okay. I remember so correctly. That's, good. that's a good pick. That is their one pick that has made it. Um, but I, I, you know, I, I still think that it's fair to go to ask if the Jazz used that pick. I agree with you. Give All me right. one second, Andy. I'm going to move. You read a question. I'm going to read a move. question and answer it. Uh, let's see if this is from our Greek fan, Giorgio Spanias asking if favors, Derek favors signs elsewhere. Uh, who do you think from free agency can replace Derek favors? I don't think that one player can replace Derek favors, right? Cause he, he fills two roles on the Utah jazz. He is the backup power for, or he is the starting power forward and your backup center. And I, I, while I do think that a stretch four would be a better fit next to Rudy Gobert, uh, you also need a, I, in my mind, probably a better backup center than Ekpe Udo, or at least somewhat another yeah. a better big to take those minutes. And Tony Bradley's not there yet. Tony Bradley's not there yet. Um, Might never and, get there. and may not, yeah. Uh, he's a late first-round pick. That's not a huge deal. But you had a first-round pick. It would have been nice to get something out of it. And, and he's 20 years old. Like, you right. still might. He's three uh, years younger than Grayson. But let me say, <laughs> yeah, let me say this about... Derek Favors. I actually think the role, the skills he brings to the Jazz are not insanely unreplaceable in the NBA. Agreed. He, it's not like he's a dynamite three-point shooter. He's, he's, not, he's not. He's a bad three-point shooter. He's a pretty good pick-and-roll defender as a big man, which is a good skill set. He's also not, like, locked down. No. Uh, he's an okay screen his setter. His best skill is that he's legitimately maybe the best big man rim finisher in the league. Okay. Uh, on, in terms of pick and roll, I mean, it's it's him, it's Rudy, and it's DeAndre Jordan. Like right. there are his percentages are through the roof. Yeah, his, his effective field goal percentage in those plays is great. And uh, in terms of short roll and making the right pass out of that, you know, he's very good. Um, but w- what was the problem? You already mentioned that the Jazz already have another guy right. who's the top of the league. Yeah. So I don't think that actually, that's my biggest thing about favors. Okay, so let's talk about best case scenario with favors here. One year, $8 million? Yeah. I mean, it's like you're getting it for a long-term deal. So if you lose him now or you lose him 12 months from now, I don't think it's a huge deal. It's going to happen one way or another is my suspicion. Yeah, I agreed. Uh, but I, I do think that the way that the market is shaping up, you look at the teams that have cap space, 
No one's going to be in on Derek Favors. Maybe Dallas. Probably not. I do wonder about some of the mid-level exception teams if they say, okay. you know what, we'll give Derek Favors two years at the mid-level exception. Okay, but in terms of the the big mid-level exception teams, the $8.5 million mid-level exception teams aren't good except for the Utah Jazz. And do the then, Knicks ever care that they're not good? The Knicks never sure, care. And sure. you could team actually favors next to Porzingis, I think, would be would make sense. I could I sell myself think, on that if I'm a general manager. Sure. I mean, the Knicks certainly have sold themselves on acquiring centers next to Kristaps before because right. they don't think he's a center, and that's very dumb of them. Right. But, you know, they've done that before. Well, the nice thing I, is you could tell Derek he's playing the four and Kristaps is playing the five, and he's, <laughs> if that's what Derek wants, <laughs> it doesn't really matter. You could yeah, lie to him. Right. Uh, that being said— And to yourself. I, if if I'm Derek Favors, I'm I would rather sign a one year deal than a two year deal for eight million dollars a year. Probably because next year there's a bunch of money. Because next year there are twenty to twenty five teams with max cap space, and are you know only three of those teams are getting Clay, Kawhi, and whoever. Uh, I you know I I just think that there's going to be that opportunity. The thing that makes the most sense for him, unless Dallas strikes out on both. Boogie Cousins and DeAndre Jordan. And it sounds like they've already got a trade for DeAndre Jordan set. Right. I mean, they keep the, the, the reason they pulled the qualifying offer for Doug McDermott an hour after they tendered it to him was because they realized they had a trade worked out for DeAndre Jordan. Nothing else would make sense about it. And did, they did the same thing today with Salamedri. Right. So, like, yeah, I agree. I think they've got something. So all of a sudden, there are no teams left to sign Derek Favors to a contract, and it just make it. I don't know that the Jazz are going to do better uh, at. The, at those positions than than resigning Derek Favors, you know, and resigning Derek Favors allows you to still use a mid level on another player, right? Like if you go out and sign Bielitsa to replace him, uh, then you can't use, then you don't have Derek Favors anymore. You could just get both Derek Favors and Bielitsa and be the most happy. Yeah. Uh, let's talk about. We, we should take a break. Uh, I do think, we have, first of all, we've got a ton of questions. Yeah. There's actually some good players out there that I think the Jazz could replace Derek Favors with. Okay. And one of them's gonna, two of them are going to cost a lot, and you'd have to do a lot of financial finagling to get there, but I think you could probably get them to sign contracts. That doesn't mean you're going to get them, but you could get them to sign contracts. They're that probably reveals who it is. Yeah. And there is another name who's out there that's pretty interesting for the Jazz who we know they've kind of been interested in in the past. Okay. Let's talk about that coming up, and we're going to continue answering your questions at Andy B. Larson, at Ben's Hoops on Twitter. It's the Salt City Hoop Show on ESPN 700. Back to the analytics, opinions, and best breakdown of the Utah Jazz and the NBA. This is Salt City Hoops on Utah's number one sports talk, ESPN 700. Salt City Hoops show, ESPN 700, 728. Andy Larson, Ben Anderson. Tweet at us, at Andy B. Larson, at Ben's Hoops. We got a bunch of questions, so uh, if you tweet at us, be patient. We'll get to your question. But uh, Andy, where should we start? Let's start with, uh, actually, let's go with this recent one from Christian A. Stetler uh, asking about Otto Porter. Is Otto Porter still in the mix? Seems like the Jazz took quite a few close losses last year because they struggled shooting the three. Remember, Otto Porter's not a free agent. They would have to trade for him. Um, and and how that trade works is it, it's made much, much more difficult by the fact that uh, you have to guarantee Jonas Drebko, Apeudo, and uh, right. Jonas Drebko. Uh, Tabo Cephalos. Tabo Cephalos. But Tabo becomes guaranteed on J- on Sunday, right? I think January Correct. 1st is his day. Yeah, so it's on like or the- after July 1st. So the Jazz actually will have one day of negotiating with free agents uh, before they have to make a decision on Tabo, which helps. That does help. Uh, but, yeah, the Jazz would have to get 
all three of those guys on board and then still would need to add Alec Burks to the mix, right, to get up to $22 million. Yeah. Because Washington is over the cap by so much, they have to take back less money in a trade or equal money in a trade. I don't think they can take on more money, right? I think they can take one twenty five. Hundred twenty five thousand. Uh, I think one hundred twenty five percent. Oh, one hundred twenty five percent. Oh, I thought it, I didn't even think it. Could but they're be that not going to take. I, I don't see any like way that the Jazz would offer more than what Otto Porter is making, just because Otto Porter is making so much. You know what right. I mean? Like, uh, and I don't think Washington's going to take more money no, to give up Otto Porter for less. Because their whole point is they're trading Otto money. Porter for to right. save money, which is why they just traded Marcin Gortat. Right. Uh, although didn't save that much money, they saved you know three million dollars in the Gortat deal. But when you're Austin Rivers, yeah, when you're paying though repeater tax, yes, you're that's, a big that's deal. dollar for dollar, and then sometimes what two dollars per dollar, and then then $3. it really starts to yeah. add up. So yeah, you save them a million dollars on salary cap, it might end up being three or four million dollars down the road. For them though, it's all about the twenty-five million dollar contract two to three years down the road, and saving that amount of money and having some flexibility moving forward. Uh, and, and so I do still think that that's possible, and I do still think that he would be a excellent fit for the Utah Jazz yep. at the power forward spot. Um, and I, 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 you know, I think honestly maybe the most likely way that that would happen is uh, with a sign and trade involving Dante Exum uh, as kind of a longer term uh, potential piece that okay. you could add into that trade, but still, you know, be clearly getting something more helpful back. I love Otto Porter. Yeah, uh, great fit. Um, I mean, completely limits your flexibility moving forward. But uh, honestly, but like you said, if you're Otto not one Porter's of the three teams, fit. if you're not one of the three teams who gets a star next year, I mean, next year you would have gladly given Otto Porter if you had max money. Right. Max money. They tried to. So if you can get him now, get him now. Yep, I agreed. Uh, next question. Let's... How about this one? I'll answer this one from Coach Blair sure, Red because I had uh, I had teased it. Is Rudy Gay an option for a stretch four for the Jazz? Jazz have showed interest in Rudy Gay in the past, or at least there's been some kind of some front office interest in him from uh-huh. several people I've talked to uh, around the Jazz. That Rudy Gay is a guy the Jazz have talked about. The Achilles thing changes everything, but he doesn't cost you twenty million dollars either. He costs you eight. And nine. You, he showed that he could play still last year with the Achilles. He wasn't good. You know, I, I, well, he wasn't great. I thought he was serviceable for the Spurs. Yeah. Um, Kyle Anderson played more than him, so you know, kind of keep your expectations low there. But uh, I, I think he would be a fit. I think he's a bargain fit and, and absolutely a target for the mid-level. You, you hope you got—you won't get 17-point-per-game Rodney Hood, but you can get kind of a little bit of Rodney Hood from him that Rodney Hood was giving you last year as kind of that third, fourth scoring option from, yeah. from Rudy Gay, and he probably costs you $8 million less than you thought you were going to pay Rodney Hood. Now, Rodney Hood's only—he's not going to get that much money as a free agent, but you thought you were trading away a guy who was going to get $15 million, and now that's, he's obviously not going to get that after what he did with the Cavs. But if he can, uh, if he can play the four rather than Rodney, who could only right. play the two or the three, that's, that's the difference for the Jazz, right? Because sure. that's, that's you know, what the Jazz may be the biggest hole on the roster right now. Uh, and so having someone who can do that, and you know, certainly the Jazz have other players who right. can do that, like Tabo Selflosha or Jake and Jay Crowder. But maybe you don't want to rely on those two guys, and, and having a third player in the mix would really help. Uh, yeah. Next question. So uh, Sporcaccioni, I don't know how you say it. I think I'm you it. pretend he's Italian. Uh, if we can't land a big free agent or trade, wouldn't it be best to pick up next year for all three of Tabo, Ekpe, and Jonas? So we have the option of trading them to other contender and playoff teams as decent players with expiring contracts? Yes. Yeah, and that was the design. Yes. That was why the Jazz signed them to these deals with with team options. So this offseason, if the Jazz needed the flexibility to waive them and sign somebody, they could do it. And if not, you have guys who can help you 
or help someone else. If you're not a good team, you can trade those guys, and they can all go and help a championship team who wants to get a little bit better coming off the bench. Yeah, so, yeah, you can consolidate those salaries, and honestly, they're just, they're good, right? Like, I, I loved what Tabo did for the Jazz last year when he was healthy. Uh, also, one of the things that we, I, I don't know, I don't know if we do this because they all signed within, what, 30 days of each other, and they all have similarly con- uh, designed contracts. Yeah. It's not like if you guarantee one of them, you're guaranteeing all three of them. I mean, the Jazz can yeah. only keep one of these guys. The Jazz could keep none of these guys. The Jazz could keep two out of the three. They don't have to keep all three of them just because they keep one of them. But we do seem to talk about them that way, right? Because they are all—they honestly have like very similar values. I feel like right. as well. You know, they're they're eighth to tenth guys on your roster. What, and what are their values? Who, I mean, rank them. Uh, I'd say Epe the least valuable. Tabo, Jonas, Ekpe, and yeah. even then, I think Jonas is somewhat replaceable. Agreed. But I, you know, I think Jonas helps you i don't know that jonas is replaceable for less than what jonas makes yeah i agree and only tabo was a guy that could play in the playoffs you couldn't play jonas in the playoffs and you showed you couldn't play him because he got beat four times in three minutes against carmelo anthony who was the worst player in that series he had a good game two was it was yeah i think he did he had a good stretch in game two i think and then and then and then the jazz didn't go back to him you know, Alec Burks had a good stretch at the end of Game One too. That right. didn't matter. And then in Houston too, but yeah. Uh, and then, yeah, I don't think you play Ekpe Udo. You're in real trouble if you're playing Udo in the in the playoffs. Yeah, playoffs. Yes. Uh, yeah, he's good for 82 games though. There's, and there's yeah. actually nothing wrong with that. We too often look at that. Can't play him in the playoffs. You don't want him. You got to get to the playoffs. And if you get a better a better seed because you've got Ekpe Udo on your team, good. He's worth two million dollars. Yeah. Next question. Uh, next question uh, from All Liver asks, why would why would the owners and board of governors vote to let teams go into more debt than before, make it easier for Golden State to retain their guys? Um, first of all, I, I don't think that was, I think that was less about Golden State than people right around the league. In case people don't know, basically the NBA extended the line of credit to NBA teams to be three hundred and twenty-five million dollars. Right. So if you need a loan, you can go to the NBA and be like, "Hey, I need this money right. to pay my team, but I'll pay it back to you in revenues or whatever." Uh, and everyone was like, "Ah, that's how the Warriors are going to pay their luxury tax bill." The the Warriors owners are very rich, and they're printing money, and they're printing money. Yeah. So like, I think the owners approve that deal in case they ever needed a big loan. Right, it's smart. If That's, your bank asks you, hey, you've got a $300 line of credit, so if you overdraft, you're not going to get in trouble. If you want to crank that up to $600, you'd probably yeah. say yes. And but even it's though, not just for the rich guy, it's for right, everybody. Exactly. So, and they're all rich. Yeah, so while it may make life easier for the Warriors, they're all looking out for number one, too, and you know may need that loan at some point. I agree. I, I didn't think that was a big deal. Uh, Ryan John has, Johnson asks, who's the most intriguing player on our Summer League roster besides Grayson and Tony Bradley? Uh, so the Jazz did release their Summer League roster earlier today. They did it at 6 p.m., which the Jazz like to do. Uh, <laughs> let me read the names really quick, Andy. and let, let me Tell me to stop if anyone catches your uh, eye. Peyton Aldridge, Grayson Allen. Okay, we want to see Grayson. Yep. Tony Bradley, yep. want to see if he's any better than last year. Isaac Haas would have been an NBA player 10 years ago. He's probably not now. Yep. Malcolm Hill. A guard from Illinois. Um, Decent. Yeah. Trey Lewis, a guard from Louisville. 26 years old, rookie. Huh. Jarius Lyles, a guard from uh, UMBC. We've got Trey's and Lyles here. I like it. Keelan Martin. I, uh, I like Kevin Martin better. Yeah. Uh, people talk that about how Keelan Martin can shoot, and I think he's a classic guy who's not actually going to be able to shoot in the NBA because he won't be able to stay on the floor. Eric McCree. Um, uh, jazz fans are familiar with him. Yeah. Uh, I, you know, he's 25 already, but sure. Nazmi Trulong, a guy who you said can do all the things that Grayson Allen can. 
I guess we'll get to see them go head to head or play <laughs> we, alongside one another. We now. will see it. Yes, I mean that w- that was really harsh of me. That's okay. You're but not, like, I'm not personally offended. Sure, the things that Grace Allen can do, other players can do as well. You just better hope he does them better than those guys. Yeah. Matt Mobley, a guard from St. Bonaventure, good for St. Bonnie's. George Niang. I'm actually really curious to see if George Niang can play because the Jazz. Yeah. Made him? Uh, did they offer him the qualifying offer? They did, although it's it's a two way contract qualifying offer, so it's not that he would fill one of the fifteen uh, roster spots. Kendrick Ray from Kennesaw State, Meh. a guard, whatever. Uh, Diamond Stone, yeah, no, I'm out on Diamond hard. Stone. Yeah, he just doesn't play hard. Yeah, he could play. He's talented. He just doesn't play hard. And, and he's a center. So like, I, I here's the thing: I've become so down on centers in recent. Like, you have to be. You have to be an elite center to play in the NBA. Yeah. You know, honestly, like if to play in the right. playoffs in the NBA, you have to be really pretty elite. Rudy and, Gobert. Like, and even Gobert was a little bit less in the playoffs than he was. I mean, no, I mean that's not true. He was the best player in that Golden in the in, first round in the OKC series. Rudy was easily the best player in that series, and is the reason the Jazz won. The Jazz said that Donovan was probably the second best player in that series, which I mean, and they think he was better than even Paul George in that series, and they were probably right. He was certainly better than Russell Westbrook. Obviously, better yeah. than Carmelo. Paul George had what? Seven points in, in game six? Yeah. So. And yeah, horrible shooting performance. Yeah, the Jazz might have had the two best players in that series. That's wild. Uh, and speaking of wild, Thomas Wilder, the hey. last player, the uh, guard from Western Michigan. People like Thomas Wilder. I, I mean, I'll be honest, I haven't seen him play. But, uh, I mean, it, it. my name to watch there is I love George Yang, and I actually think he's really fun to watch. Uh, I, I want to see that jump shot. It looks so broken every time he shoots it, and that's what he does well is shoot the ball. I also suspect that there will be a couple different roster changes on the Jazz's Vegas Summer League roster. Well, because we know Isaac Koss isn't sticking with the Jazz, right? He's right. going to Cleveland. So that, that's at least one of them. Um, and Yeah, I mean, honestly, I, I think there may be... I wouldn't be shocked, honestly, if Naz, or sorry, if Nigel Williams-Goss came over for Vegas Summer oh, League. I don't know that for sure, that'd but be great. You know, that would be, that's, that's something. Because uh, he is in Salt Lake, so it's not like there's not interest. Right. He sent out a photo in January of buying his dad a truck, I think, and his dad's wearing a Utah Jazz shirt. Yeah. So it's like there, the, he has ties to the Jazz. He's not forgotten the Jazz and vice versa. And the only way he can make the NBA is through the Utah Jazz because he owns their rights. So like, right. Or the Jazz own his right. rights. So uh, I, I think that that's possible. Uh, or, you know, you just get various other rookie kind of names and see see what, what sticks. Uh, Ryan Johnson will answer your other question real quick. Looking at 2019 free agents, how good of a fit is Tobias Harris? He's great. good. A, yeah. Honestly, a, a great fit. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know. There's some possibility that the Clippers offer him an extension uh, this offseason and or trade sense. him to another team. I, don't think, I think it's more likely you trade him than you offer him an extension. It doesn't make that much yeah. sense to me. I, I don't know him? if the Clippers know what their direction is, and if you lose DeAndre Jordan and you're trading him, because what are you getting back from Dallas if you trade DeAndre Jordan? Like I, I, I don't pick. even know what the conversation is that okay. you're trying to get back there. Dallas doesn't have their pick next year. They traded it to get Luka <laughs> 20, Doncic. Twenty two pick. Yeah, yeah, right. So I I don't know what I don't know what the Clippers are trying to do either. You're not going to be good with Shea Gilgis Alexander and Jerome Robinson next year. I agree. You might be in three years, but you're not going to be next year. So I think you're taking a step back. So I don't think. Extending Tobias Harris makes that much sense, so you trade him and you try and get something else. The only way it does work is if they can use their status of being in L.A. to actually get good free agents, right? Like, sure. You know, if, if Paul George signs there because it's an L.A. team and, you know, the Lakers' cap space is full and he still wants to go to L.A., you could see that happening. Um, I, I, I don't know that that's likely, but I, I like Tobias Harris as a potential forefit on the Utah Jazz. Yeah. Uh, and he's young. He's only twenty five. Yeah, that's the thing is he's like, a guy who seems like he's been around for a long time because he was, what he's been on four teams already, right? Is it that many? Milwaukee, Orlando, Detroit, L.A. Huh? 
four teams, and he's only 25 years old. Maybe I don't like him. No, that's that's not yeah. why. Like every no. team that has traded him has regretted. Okay, him. I was talking about Gordon Hayward as the best player you can trade in the NBA. Meaning, like you don't trade certain guys unless it's Paul George last year, and you know he's leaving, so you trade him. Chris, yeah. There are some guys you don't trade. Then you have to get to a point where you're willing to trade a guy. And I said, you know, Kemba Walker, C.J. McCollum, Gordon Hayward might be in that over the next several years. Tobias Harris is in that conversation too. You don't want to trade him. But you like don't build your team around him. So if you're trying to make a big package happen, like get Blake Griffin, you'll trade Tobias Harris. Yeah, that that's a good point. Um, I mean, obviously the the Clippers traded Blake Griffin. Right. Uh, oh, I think Blake Griffin's probably in, he's the very high end of that conversation. DeMarcus and Detroit Cousins? will Detroit will probably try and trade him too. Demarcus Cousins in that conversation Kyrie Irving? as well. We've had a lot of superstars traded recently. Sure, and then you question how much you know did, how good was Kyrie? I mean, they were really good without him too. Fair. They were good with him, and they were really good without him. Anyways, uh, same with Gordon Hayward. I mean, teams were good with him and just fine without him also. Both teams. Uh, Next question on Twitter. Actually, you know what? Let's take a break. Sorry, I'm a little all over the place. (laughs) Let's take a break. When we come back, we're going to keep answering your questions. Got a lot of them. Uh, We want to get to them. Draft, Summer League, Free Agency, Trades. We'll take them at Andy B. Larson on Twitter, at Ben's Hoops. It's the best way to get in touch with us. It's the Salt City Hoop Show on ESPN 700. The home of the best Utah Jazz and NBA breakdown is right here. This is Salt City Hoops on Utah's number one sports talk, ESPN 700. Salt City Hoop Show, ESPN 700, 746, Andy Larson, Ben Anderson. Hey, if uh, you wanted to tune in, now if you're listening, it's kind of hard to say, but if maybe you catch us on a podcast and you want to catch us next week, download the ESPN 700 app. Uh, it's brought to you by Broadway Media. That's how you can tell it apart from the other apps uh, when you're trying to download it on your phone. Open up the App Store, search ESPN 700. We had some questions coming in. What's the best way to listen to the show if, uh, if you're not in the state of Utah? Because a lot of jazz fans follow you, Andy, and want to know how to hear you talk about the Utah Jazz, wow! Which Thanks. is why I do the show, so I can hear you talk about the Utah Jazz, and then I still. You could just face. call me. We could just we could just not do this for everybody. Andy, let's talk jazz. You know who does the weirdest phone calls? Tony Jones. Oh, absolutely. Tony Jones calls you at like ten thirty at night for no reason and wants to talk jazz basketball. Yeah, which I love about just, Tony. He's just thinking about. He's, it, just, like, like he's a, just thinking about it all he, the time. He has somebody who wants to talk. He just wants to bounce. He wants a sounding board. Yeah, which is great. And everyone likes Tony. That's the good thing. Everyone legitimately likes. Tony. He still has not called me after I made the video. Oh really? Yeah, but I don't think he's mad at you. Is he calling you instead? No, he the new me. No, I, he's called me twice, which puts make it, which is what <laughs> makes it so much more random. But Tony and I are guys. Like yeah. I, we love each other. Tony and I, every time we see each other at a practice, we pull each other aside and say yeah. hi and catch up. Yeah, Tony, legitimately one of the best people, honestly, in the NBA. It's uh, just enjoyable to be around. People like him. He's funny. I'm just I'm sad that I've I've burned that bridge after making There's the no draft. Way you video. did, but the, it was a great video. It was an all timer. <laughs> Uh, and you know that's that exists forever now. Yeah. As long as humans exist and YouTube exists, that's going to be out there. So uh, well done on you. Hey, uh, Bill Riley, host of the Bill Riley Show, asked Heard a question uh, about uh, we we uh, solicited questions earlier today on uh, what we could talk about. What you want to hear from? Bill says, "I hope you'll be laying out the Jazz plan for building a super team." Now I know Bill. This sounds facetious to me. He says he'll take it off the air. We know Bill. Uh, what is the Jazz options for building a super team? Actually, they could get. Financially flexible this offseason if they wanted to. Yeah, and, and honestly, they're getting off. Uh, you mean this offseason or next offseason? Both. 
Okay, so yeah, this offseason, you waive Tabo, you waive Jonas, you waive Epe, you don't resign Derek Favors, and you don't resign Dante Axum, you don't resign Howell Neto, and you have $19 million of cap. So pay. those guys have cap holds. Yeah. You just renounce those guys? Like Contavious Caldwell Pope last year with Detroit, or I mean, how does that work? Do you yeah, have to do anything? You can, you do have to renounce them, so okay. your, their cap holds are no longer on your books. And, then, and what that means is you can't resign them afterwards. Okay, and yeah, you, you lose their bird rights and things like that. Yeah, um, but yeah, so you cannot, you can't do that and then resign them. Correct. Okay, uh, so you're gambling, but you would know at that point you've tampered enough or whatever it takes to figure <laughs> out that you're signing. Yeah. So if you know if you want to make that case to Paul George and say, hey, we'll, we're willing to make those moves for you, but we have to do it right away. Um, honestly, you would have to know on July 1st that Paul George is going to be signing in Utah in order to waive Tabo in time. It gets really dicey if you're trying to get Jabari Parker or Aaron Gordon because you might lose all those guys and then lose Jabari and Aaron right. Gordon, and then you've lost six in one transaction. And that's and like you would never ever make the trade of Derek Favors and Dante Exum and Joe, you know, Jonas Drobko and Tabo Selfridge and blah 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 for Aaron Gordon and or Jabari or Jabari Parker. They're just they're not right. that good. Yeah, they haven't proven that they're that good. No. I mean, yeah, Jabari Parker might be that good, but, you know, we haven't seen it yet. And Aaron Gordon is a pretty good player. but in I just terms so of... wish they played for good organizations that right. I trusted their development. Right. I do not trust what Jason Kidd did with Jabari Parker, and then I don't have any faith in anyone in Orlando, basketball team or non-basketball team. And that whole enough... city, I don't trust anything. And there's enough stuff about, like, Aaron Gordon wanting to be the man and take Wants so many ball. shots, yeah. and it's just like, uh, I don't know, like, that's Pretty clearly not the, what he would be doing in a Jazz uniform. So, uh, yeah, I, I, I don't think it makes any sense to chase after those guys. Um, so, really, if we're talking about a super team, we're talking about a at least three all-stars, right? And so you're hoping that two of your all-stars are already on the roster. Right. And Donovan Mitchell, almost certainly an all-star. And Gobert. Rudy Gobert, all-star caliber. If He's not, an all-NBA you know, player, which is that. better than an all-star in all yeah. honesty. Uh, so your third guy is, you know, you can get it through signing Paul George that way we talked about. You can trade for him. Um, and, uh, you know, maybe Kevin Love is a possibility. Uh, you know, honestly, like a CJ McCollum might be available. Otto Porter. Otto Porter. I, I, do you think Otto Porter is enough to make you a super team? No. I don't think so. Nope. Right. So I don't know if, if we're talking McCollum about is either. Okay, but if we're talking about super teams, like uh, that's that. Level. I want star power. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, is Kyle Lowry or DeMar DeRozan enough to make you a super team? Because those guys are apparently very, very available. Huh. No. DeMar, DeMar DeRozan might, be, might get you there. Kyle Lowry, probably not. Yeah. Too old. And, yeah. and honestly, I'd go with DeMar DeRozan. But both of those guys are, you know, Eastern Conference All-Stars. Um, and, and very good Eastern Conference All-Stars. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, that if you want, you could trade assets for DeMar DeRozan tomorrow and and get it done i think that's the best way and then you hope what i mean you know so you do that you have money coming up next off season and then you go out and you find a way to get another guy that's how you become a super team okay because honestly you probably need four guys in utah because you're not going to have you're not going to get a top five player so if you get one top five player and you surround him with kevin love you've got a super team which is the Cavs. they kind of had a super team right because you had lebron and then you had kevin love and that's enough Jazz aren't going to have a LeBron or a Kevin a Kawhi yeah. or a Kevin Durant or a Steph. So you probably have to have four guys. Agreed. Uh, and, and honestly, I don't know that the Jazz have the assets to trade for DeMar DeRozan. Right. Really. You know, like, beyond Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert is, like, Ricky Rubio plus, I don't know, Dante Exum plus a first enough to get DeMar DeRozan. Really? I mean, I, I right. guess maybe, but... It, it's just don't have great assets. No. 
So which is fine. They're good. They have young people. They have young players. The only, the only, you know, the exciting thing would be for a team that wanted to change directions or lose money. The Jazz have some options to take that on. But yeah, in terms of realistic possibilities, there's just not a, a lot there. Um, I think the and then it's getting, a, the summer of 2019. You do have more options. Trading for somebody this year and still protecting some of your expiring contracts for next year so you have more money again next year when you already have three guys in place, which is whoever you acquired this year. Maybe that's a Tobias Harris or an Otto Porter that we've talked about, plus Donovan, plus Rudy. And then if you can have 15 to $20 million next offseason, then you get pretty interesting. Yeah. And because Donovan makes no money, you can actually do that. Right. And because Royce O'Neal makes no money, you can say, well, we have to start him, but that's okay. And Jay's on a on a good contract, and yeah, yeah I mean, right. you, you go up and down the list, and beyond Alec Burks, it's it's a well, it's a well built team, it's a well built with good team salaries, with good contracts, yeah. yeah, and even then, a ten million dollar contract's not terrible, right? Expiring. Uh, next question. Thanks, Bill Riley. <laughs> Tweet <laughs> yeah. at us again. Uh, I like Clark Schmoot's question. Would you rather have Rudy Gay or Nemanja Bjelica at the same money? Let's say three years, twenty seven million dollars. I'll be honest. Ooh, three years for either of those guys? I'm not giving three anyone years, over. Twenty-seven million. I'm not no. giving anyone over twenty-four a three-year deal. That's a lie. Those guys are both over thirty years old. Yeah, I I'm out on giving both of those guys the full mid-level no exception, and not three years. Uh, Oof. I like Bielitsa more than Rudy Gay because I think there's a real possibility that like post Achilles, Rudy Gay, who by the way shot thirty-one percent from three last year, yeah, it was bad. Might just be Joe Johnson in like half a year, you know. And if you're giving sure. him three years. I, I'm not willing to do that. They're also He's 32 years old. Yeah, there also is, though, the year removed from injury where guys get better. Like the first year you're rehabbing and you're not great, yeah. and then you hope a year later do Achilles guys they do bounce that? back. Uh, Achilles guys don't come back, period. Achilles guys die. Yeah. yeah. Right. <laughs> I mean, figuratively. Right. But yeah, it's. Uh, so that's why I would go Bielitsa. I think there are. He brings a definite skill and a definite need that the Jazz have, which is a big man who spreads the floor. Yeah. Like Bielitsa at $10 million year. is 10 times the player that Ryan Anderson is at $25 million. Yeah, you would much right. rather have Bielitsa at ten than Ryan Anderson at twenty five. Ryan Anderson's a better player, to be clear, but yeah, in terms of contract value, right? Not like, for twenty five percent of your salary cap. Uh, I think you can do so much better with the big MLE. You know, uh, Zach Lowe was talking about this in his article today, as how few teams there are that can really offer the non taxpayer mid level exception, which is eight and a half nine million dollars, depending on how the contract, how long the contract is. You can go get a guy who's. Like a, honestly, I don't know that Will Barton is going to be getting more than that. I don't think Tyreek Evans is going to be getting more than that, uh, unless it's from their current teams. And even then, you know, they kind of opted out of those conversations during the season. Can I just read you a paragraph from Zach Lowe's article? If people didn't read it at ESPN today, yeah. The lack of space in theory transforms the full mid-level exception, which the Jazz should have worth almost $9 million a year into a powerful tool, but only a few teams even have access to that. A very sad number of blah, over-the-cap teams, Washington, Detroit, Milwaukee, Minnesota, Miami, New Orleans, Denver, Portland, and perhaps even Charlotte, are so close to the tax that they can't or shouldn't use the full mid-level and will realistically only have access to the baby one, which is the biannual exception. There's a or the taxpayer tax mid-level at $5 million. Five, yeah, $5.5 million. But there are some teams, several teams, who have the big mid-level, which is the Jazz, the Spurs, the Grizzlies, and the Magic, that could use that to potentially go out and get players that ideally would get more money, but because there's so little money out there, you don't have to pay Will Barton $15 million because there's not 15 right. teams that have $15 million. There's only three teams that have that. Will Barton's not going to one of those teams. 
So all of a sudden, now you're in the competitive market with everybody who has the exact. And that's why you go out and you get uh, a guy like uh, a guy like Will Barton with a mid-level exception. Let's take a break. When we come back, we'll look more at some of the Jazz options, answer your questions. It's the Salt City Hoop Show on ESPN 700. John, I got a basketball, John. I love the basketball, John. John Stockton. You are listening to Salt City Hoops on Utah's number one sports talk, ESPN 700. Salt City Hoops show, ESPN 700, 802. Andy Larson, Ben Anderson. Andy's the beat writer for the Utah Jazz at KSL.com and the managing editor of Salt City Hoops. I'm the co-host of Gunther and Ben right here on ESPN 700, Monday through Friday, 2 to 6. Uh, we want to take your questions? Or let's get back to the Zach Lowe's thing. Yeah. Uh, I read it at the end of a segment. It was stupid. My fault. Several teams, Zach Lowe uh, at ESPN did a primer on the offseason, what to expect. Kind of broke down every team, not every player, but a lot of the actual movers and shakers who are going to impact the NBA. Here's what he said about the Jazz, or a little bit about the Jazz. Several teams who have the big mid-level exception, which is uh, about $9 million a year this year, a little under, are the Knicks, the Spurs, the Grizzlies, and then maybe the Magic and the Jazz. They should leverage this environment to sign good players to longer-term deals. We tend to lodge short-term deals as wins for teams. Think of Tyreek Evans last season. Think of Atlanta's initial two-year, $19 million deal for Paul Millsap in 2013. But as those deals expire, we all go, man, wouldn't it be nice to have that player on a longer salary? And I agree with that. We, we do yeah. see that a lot. Oh, nice, you got him for two years. But then at the end of those deals, if the players are any good, you wish you had him for four more years. Yeah. So that's where a four-year deal starts to make sense for some of these guys. Now, I don't know who— But that's why those teams sign them to short—those players sign short deals, I should say. Right. Those, you know, they want to get back out on the market. Paul Millsap signed that two-year $19 million deal. So betting he on could, himself. Betting on himself, betting that he would be worth the max when he was a 10-year free agent. And he was. Yeah. And he made a bunch of money. Uh, so the Jazz have a mid-level exception, and because of that, there are some teams that the Jazz could be competing against and players that are—or teams that are kind of in the Jazz— well, there's actually only one team here that I'd say is in the same hemisphere as the Jazz, and that's the San Antonio Spurs. Right. And even then, they're taking a major hit this offseason. Yeah. They are less desirable to go to now, hot take, less desirable to go to San Antonio now than it is the Jazz. Absolutely. I don't think, you know, Greg Popovich, I you guess, You have been able to say that since 1998. But yeah, I agree that that's the case. Like, it's 20 Kawhi years Leonard's in the making. Leaving. Yeah. So Kawhi Leonard's leaving, and then you've got a team that lost in the first round this year, and right. pretty easily so. Now, they might have Jalen Brown, they might have Gordon Hayward, or sure. they might have Brandon Ingram and Channing Frye, or whatever the deal is to get him to the Lakers. But you also have, like, Pau Gasol, and, you know, yeah. like, you've got some weird You might have pieces. a retiring Manu Ginobili and Tony Parker playing in Philly or something. Or you might not, and that might be worse, you know, like... <laughs> It, it, I, they're they're not going to be a a much better team next year, right? They're not a contender next year. I don't think they're going to be better than the Jazz next year, regardless of what happens. Yeah, unless Kawhi comes back and they sit with him for a year, and then yeah. I know for sure they're not going to be better two years from now than the Jazz. So I don't want to sign there because they're not going to be better than the Jazz in 2019. The Jazz might be the best team to sign with a mid-level exception if you're a mid-level exception player and you care about winning. And you're in the West. Only three of these teams are in the West, the Jazz, the Spurs, and the Grizzlies. Grizzlies could be interesting because they could bounce back quickly. I don't see it. I think they, I, I think Jaron Jackson can play. Gasol's good. And if you get uh, – who's the point guard? Mike Conley back, you're, you're, you're okay. I don't think Jackson and Gasol can really play next to each other. Okay. Uh, and I don't think J.B. – I think J.B. Bickerstaff is probably the worst coach in the NBA. He's certainly a downgrade from what they had, which is a bad sign from Memphis ownership. Come on, Justin Timberlake. Yeah, we're, we're, blaming, we're blaming JT. Uh, like, yeah, it's 
I, Here's what we're saying. I, I, I don't think people are buying Memphis. The, uh, I'm I'm not either. But they can be much better than they were where they had the second worst record in the NBA last year or whatever it was. They can sure. be a lot better than they were last year. They were purposely bad. Uh, the Jazz are the best team with a mid-level exception. Yes. That's a good place to be. That's a yeah. really good place to be. Agreed. And Because, and again, are only five or six teams with cap space more than the mid-level, and those teams are going to are either you know tanking Atlanta, Chicago, Sacramento, or they are going for it hardcore with like the Lakers. Right. Uh, Dallas says that they are Philly and Philly. Yeah. Beyond that, you're again there aren't teams with the yeah. mid level exception. If Philly and L A walk away with Will Barton, horrible off season. If the Jazz walk away with Will Barton, that's right. a pretty great off season. Yeah. And none of those teams are giving Will Barton more than ten million dollars either. Right. So for Will, it's a choice. You know, he can get a four year, thirty six million dollars deal with the Utah Jazz. Right. It's great. It's a great deal. And the uh, Jazz, I think, would probably be like that deal, too. He might want to bet on himself and take a short-term deal at one year eight and yeah. then see what he can do next year, and that's fine. But, again, you would maybe even choose the Jazz if you are going to do that. Or maybe maybe you choose a place where you get more definite playing time, like the Knicks we or you know, whatever. Still, the difference between $36 million and $8 million when it's sitting on a contract in front of you is catastrophic. Yeah. It is enormous. And hats off to the guys who sign those short contracts and get bigger deals after. You're smart. It, it'd be really hard to pass on $30 million that yeah. you know is guaranteed coming to you. Especially for a first big contract, right? Like, I right. think for Derek Favors, it's an easier choice because, right. you know, it is one year down the road. I think there, it just makes so much sense. For Will Barton, it's like, you know, it, it might go. You know, it, yeah. he, he's young, certainly, but he hasn't had that amount of money. And if he doesn't have that amount of money, like, you know, it's... it's right. If he doesn't get this contract and something goes wrong... He's like not set up for life as well as right. a lot of guys are. Now he still was making several million this year and is in good shape. Making three and a half is all. But that that'll last you a that'll give you an okay life through fifty. But not like Derek Favors' life, you know? Yeah, Derek Favors' life is fine for from here on out. Derek Derek Favors doesn't have to work a day in his life. Will Barton could get a job at Home Depot when he's fifty. He may need yeah. it. Unless he signs that thirty six million dollar deal. I still love the JJ Reddick idea. He's very available for the mid level unless Philadelphia. You think that's right? You think four? You, you, would you give him four years? He's no, old. I wouldn't. So three years. Uh, he wants. Yeah. He either wants huge one year or. But who's he going to get huge one year from? Yeah, he might not. So go. Uh, I mean, maybe he gets a uh, ten million from again Atlanta. Like I, I don't. Is that Here's what's really interesting happening? for JJ Redick. If the Lakers find a way to get Kawhi and LeBron, and don't get Paul George, and have money left over, that's like a great situation for J.J. Sure. Because he can go win a championship and is exactly what they need. I Even then, though, I don't they have to dump Luol Deng in order to make that happen? Probably. So I, I don't know that they would. Right. And if you're they, dumping Luol Deng, you're pairing him with Lonzo Ball, and you're trying to get Kemba Walker. Right. That's what you're trying to do. You're trying to get a max player with one of your young players with Luol Deng's contract, and you're taking back a star player. Right. That's the option if you're Lakers. Uh, all right. Questions on Twitter at Andy B. Larson at Ben's Hoops. Uh, let me pull them up. Uh, how realistic this is from Josh White. How realistic is it that the Jazz sign Kevin Love next summer? Fit seems perfect and he doesn't mind Utah. Pretty realistic. Like he I mean, realistic. He, Odds are long. I bet against it, but right. it's the best of all of these guys that we talk about. Agreed. Uh, not only does he not mind Utah, he said Park City, Utah is his favorite place in the United States, yeah. which is which is really Saying promising. Something. You know, like. Joe Johnson lived in Park City. Jazz, you know, people live up in Park City and play for the Utah Jazz. Kevin Love could absolutely do that, um, and that's that's good. Uh, I think he's a fit on the court too. 
It's just kind of whether or not what he shows without LeBron James this season and whether or not he's going to be a good bet moving forward for the, for the Jazz to sign. But yeah, in terms of a fit, um I think I think it's right. I think it's I think it is realistic if not likely. Huh, likely. It's not. No, I'm saying it's not likely. Okay, yeah, realistic. Yeah, okay. Yeah, he's a realistic target if not necessarily. Yeah, the odds are on. There's 29 other teams in the sure. NBA who are going to want him too. What I like about him is that he's kind of done everything already. He's got $200 million that he's made. He's got a championship. Like, he doesn't need the Jazz, which actually I think helps the Jazz. He doesn't need the Jazz to be great, which helps the Jazz, and the Jazz still might be great, which is even better. Like, it's it's all upside for for Kevin Love. Yeah, that's true. And it's, you know, and and it's a good place to be. Shorefire Hall of Famer, has a championship, has $200 million. Like, what do you want? What else do you want? Yeah. Go live in your you favorite city in your and be good. Favorite place, and you don't and even have to do the hard stuff because you've got Rudy Gobert like a, on your team. On a fun team to play for. Yeah, yeah, it's it's, it's, great it's perfect. Yeah, yeah, I think it makes a ton of sense from his point of view. It's just whether or not uh, he shows enough this year to be like, okay, he's not uh, regressing. He still fits the timeline of the Utah Jazz. Is kind of really the only question from from a Jazz point of view. TJ Jones on Twitter. Who are the best fit candidates for 2019 if you wait out this summer? I mean, Clay would be great. And Clay sure. would absolutely fit. He's the best. He's other than Kawhi, he's probably the best player. That yeah. you know, Kevin Durant's gonna be a free agent again too, because these guys are gonna keep doing one and one yeah. uh, deals. But realistically, Clay Thompson, and even then, it's probably unrealistic that Clay Thompson comes to Utah. And then it's probably yeah. Kevin Love. Agreed. Um, Kemba Walker too. Kemba would be great. Is is available and yeah, might be might be a good fit. Um, I would say Kemba will be a Tobias better player Harris. next year than Kevin Love. But uh, yeah, Tobias Harris also available. Uh, Chris Middleton is another guy who would be a fantastic fit at that four spot. Uh, Spandex Pancake on Twitter. I know a sign-and-trade hard caps a team. Can you tell me what that entails? Is it only for the season in which the trade happens? Yes. Uh, so it, And it kind of depends where you would be. It, there's this idea that there's the apron, and it's about $6 million more than the luxury tax limit, which is about... $19 million more than the salary cap. So right. there are kind of these different levels of NBA. Right. So you can go over the salary cap and not pay the tax until you get to the salary, the the taxpayer limit. Correct. Which is, yeah, what you said, $19 million above the actual salary cap. So you're talking about $119, $120 million. Yes. So, but you can't, if you're over the cap, sign people up to that number unless they're your own players. Right. Say that again. So if you're already over the cap, so let's say you have $101 million committed, you can't then go out and give another guy $18 million. right. Unless you have their bird rights. Yes. And then you can't sign them. Yes. So stupid. I hate the NBA salary cap. I love it. I mean, it works. It's hard. Um, Yeah, there's a lot of moving But I think it works for the most part. I hate explaining it. But yes, you you can be over the salary cap and under the luxury tax and still not be able to sign anybody. Agreed. Stupid. I mean, yeah. yeah, that's true, but it's a stupid thing to talk about. Um. So, yeah, but to answer his question, yes, if you receive a player in a sign-in trade, then you are hard-capped at the $126 million a year apron okay. limit. Okay. And that means you can't pay any more than that for that season. And Are the Jazz at risk of being over the apron? Not really at all. But if they took on Otto Porter? But then you'd be giving out that much you'd money to You'd be giving out almost as much money, and you would still have enough room to re-sign Derek Favors and Dante Exum. And who are the Jazz sign-and-trade candidates? Is it just Dante Exum? Uh, you could also do it with Derek Favors. Can you do it with Favors? Yeah. Even though he's an unrestricted free agent yeah. and can just sign outright anywhere he wants. But a team may need to trade a player back if they want to have enough salary under the cap to get Derek Favors. Yeah, and Favors is one of those guys who actually might have some sign-and-trade value because there are so few contending teams that could actually sign him. 
uh, there's those kind of like mid-level teams, your your Portland Trailblazers or you know whatever that looks like, your Clippers uh, may have a need for Derek Favors that requires a sign and trade, and then the Jazz could get something back. Now they're not going to get equal value, so I think like a Derek Favors for Tobias Harris kind of sign and trade is is a crazy idea. I saw that on the internet, but um, you know you might get something small back in return. Uh, more questions at Andy B. Larson at Ben's Hoops on Twitter. If you want to tweet at us, it's the best way to get in touch with the show. Uh, we always love to hear from you. You can also text us on the uh, text line 877-353-0700. Uh, you saw my Jeff Green versus Kyle Kuzma. Kyle Kuzma comparison, and it's not mine. I should I should credit it. It's Adi Joseph. He's I believe a writer at the at USA Today. Good guy. Um. He tweeted out the comparison that Jeff Green's rookie year looks awfully similar to Kyle Kuzma's rookie year. Sure. And if we're talking about trading, the Lakers are talking about trading Kyle Kuzma to get Kawhi Leonard, which would then guarantee signing LeBron James, apparently. This has been reported. Uh, They should absolutely do that because, you know, there's a chance that Kyle Kuzma, as good of a rookie season as he had, might be Jeff Green. Well, again, yeah, what's, what's Kyle Kuzma's absolute upside? It's very good. Like he might be an all star. Uh, I saw a good comp by like Danny Granger. I'm okay. just thinking type of player at his best. Yeah, that's his ceiling. It's probably Danny Granger. More efficient, Anton uh, Jameson. Jameson. Okay. <laughs> I mean, yeah, Antoine Jameson was good. Yeah, he was interesting for a while. Uh, yeah, agreed. It, he wasn't great. The, the thing is, Cavs he's not a, he's not a good right? defender and probably never will be, right? Was he Kyle the Kuzma? second best player on the Cavs team <laughs> for LeBron at yeah, one point? Yeah, but everyone makes terrible. fun of how bad that team was, right? right? Like, And that wasn't the peak of Anton Jameson's career, but... Right. I mean, that's okay. It's I love okay. it with the 27th pick. Yeah. I hate it with Jeff Green at the 6th pick. Exactly. That's there's that's where the weird value comes in. Anyway, I bring this up because D-Man uh, says that this is why comparisons are meaningless Jeff Green has always been talented. His issue is upstairs. There's no reason to think Kyle Kuzma will have the same issues. First of all, Jeff Green's issues are not upstairs. Jeff Green, by all accounts, is like a you know mentally fine person. Uh, he did have heart failure, so, so like he's, his that's problems bad. are mid level, <laughs> mid level <laughs> problems. Uh, like you know, I, I think there's. Uh, uh, there's no reason to think Kyle Kuzma will have the same issues, but there's still that downside possibility that he might, you know, he's not necessarily going to be an NBA superstar. Uh, Jake Dean on Twitter. What are two things you want to see from Grayson Allen during the summer league? Defense, number one. Can he stay in front of his man? And, you know, that's not NBA-level players all the time, but he will be guarding some of those guys. Trey Young, uh, Kevin Herter, they're going to be those Lonnie opportunities. Walker. Lonnie Walker. Uh, He'll be matched up head-to-head with Lonnie Walker for sure. I don't know if he gets matched up with Trey Young. Why but, not if you're the Jazz? Oh yeah, throw about, yeah, for sure. A couple trips down the floor, you do it. You also may want to protect Grayson a little bit sometimes, because you're trying to make him look good. Why? Because you don't want to shatter his confidence the way you shattered Trey Burke's confidence in three games in Orlando, <laughs> yeah, okay. and he never recovered. Okay, but can we, uh, Trey Burke didn't lose confidence from that. You're right. Right? Like he was just exposed. We've talked to, exactly. He was exposed, he was exposed and <laughs> still be, had confidence. Yeah, yeah that was too bad. The, like, if the Jazz didn't play Trey Burke, and heck, they tried not to. Remember, they didn't play him in a couple games because he was so bad and played uh, Michael Stockton and Howell Neto over him, and those guys looked better. And it was because Trey Burke wasn't a good NBA yeah, player. he was a bad player. So I might try and if hide Grayson that. If Grayson Allen is bad, <laughs> okay, but why that. are you trying to hide? Like, if he's bad, he's bad. There's Oh, because I'm a general manager and I like my job. <laughs> There's only <laughs> 30 of these. Dennis has his job. 
Let's hope so. No, of course he has his job. <laughs> uh, okay, defense one. I want to see him hit shots. Yeah. I want to see him shoot 40% from the three-point line. Yeah, and I, I'm curious to see, again, what he does. Uh, I want to see him make the right play. I, I'm curious about that. And, and I have zero doubt about that. Okay. I have 100% doubt about his teammates. Yeah, that's a good point. So I don't care so if he maybe makes it. Doesn't matter. His making the right play might not look like the right play that's every cool. single time he does it. That's my problem with the summer league. Uh, I want to see him hit some shots because – at worst, that's what he got to be able to do for the Jazz this year, yeah. and then stay in front of somebody. Yep. Okay, I'm with you. Those two things. That's who. He, how many he asked for? Right? It was two things. Two things. I could go on. Uh, clerks, do you want more things? What else do you want? I want to see him beat someone off the dribble. I want to yeah, see if the spacing good. actually helps him. I want to see if he has that floater. He's got a really in, kind of. Super, okay, first of all, his best sh- shot, and I, I've I've written about this. Lefty dribble, pull-up jump shot, he's automatic. It's unreal how good that shot is for him. And that coming off a screen at the top of the key is a deadly shot in the NBA. It's a great shot in the NBA because you're not lined up in the corners to do it. You spread the floor vertically. Well, not vertically, but you know what I mean. You spread the floor out to the top of the three-point line. With that shot, you change the way you can run an offense. It's really good. Uh, I like that from him. I want to see if he keeps hitting that from the NBA range because he hit it all the time at Duke. That's a great shot, especially when Rudy Gobert is sitting picks for you. Because that's just a winning shot. Because if you have to collapse on Grayson Allen there, and he can make the pass at six foot five to a rolling Rudy Gobert, the whole floor opens up. So that's that's an interesting thing from Grayson Allen. I want to see if when he gets when he puts the ball on the ground, and a defender sticks with him, if he can do anything with the ball at that point. Because at times mm. he couldn't at Duke. Yeah, now he, he got... actually has an ability to put a kind of a mid range jump shot up, which is actually really good there. He's better at that than a lot of guys his size. We'll see if he can do that still in the NBA. Yeah, because there, there is room for floaters. There's room for scoring in the paint outside of the restricted area. That was one of the things that kind of confused me about the re- reviews we got of his workout performances was one of the things that Walt Perrin told us was that he makes space with his body and can get a shot off. When I saw him do that at Duke, he took some bad shots. He did. A- and I don't know that I want him doing that in the NBA. Like I don't know that that's a skill that I'm excited about. Don't do that. I don't care that you're exactly. good at it. Right. Uh, I I want, you know, pull-up mid-range shots. Sometimes you have to take them. Floaters, sometimes you have to take them. I think those are good. I don't ever want him using his space and running into, you know, I, I don't care who's defending him. Clay Thompson, let's say. Yeah. Because he's going to get blocked. Right. Unless you're getting the free throw line six Unless and a half times a game. And I don't know that he's he... he's not going to get there. Yeah. Because he's not that good. Right. He's Yeah. Unless, he has to be very crafty. Uh Yeah. I, I mean, yeah. I, I'm... But if he can get to the free throw line at summer league, that would be interesting. It would be nice to see him do something with the ball in his hands. Yeah, that would be probably my third thing. Okay. So th- there's some things for Grace now. I I don't think he's gonna look great in summer league, and I still wouldn't panic. Uh, Cardigan Act Six Utes asks, you may have already answered this, but why is it how we hear how difficult it is to afford to sign great players, but teams like the Lakers, Golden State, and Boston always seem to find seem to find a way to get anybody? Fair question. Um. It's weird. So guys force their way to the big markets. Sure. With Golden State two years ago to sign Kevin Durant, there was this once-in-a-lifetime cap jump that allowed that to happen. For Boston last year, it was honestly that they had earned the cap space, that they didn't right. have any old players that they had to pay, and so they had the, the room to pay Gordon Hayward. You know, like more credit to them. They right. they drafted well and, and got right. those guys and in the same way that they traded for Kyrie. Would, you know? And they exactly. did ruthless trades to get Kyrie. Yeah. Danny Ainge is ruthless. That's one of the things. He plays with guts. Now, he's got a much higher safety net than Dennis Lindsay if Dennis Lindsay were ruthless. Dennis Lindsay could be ruthless. You could trade Rudy Gobert if you wanted to. Sure. And get a king's ransom for him. 
You trade Donovan Mitchell right now and get an insane <laughs> thing. I mean, Danny Ainge traded Paul Pierce. It's like trading Larry Bird yeah. for 90s Celtics fans, you know, or early 2000s Celtics fans. He traded Kevin Durant or, or Kevin Garnett. Now, by that point, they certainly weren't the championship contenders, but they weren't that far removed from it. They trade Isaiah Thomas. who Avery Bradley, Jay Crowder. P- played while, you know, it, his sister had just died. And, like, right. you know, he's an insane person insane things. making those. He yeah. could very well trade Gordon Hayward this offseason. Sure. But I mean, because we, it's Boston, people are still going to want to go there because they have so many banners and because, it, because you know, you, you can get in the Hall of Fame playing in Boston. Yeah. Same with the Lakers. But that also allows them to be a little bit ruthless. Also, because they're those teams, they have so much money that they can afford to make mistakes that the Jazz aren't comfortable making. Yeah, and I, I also just think that, like, because those three teams have done some relatively good um, jamming recently, right? Like, yeah. obviously, the Warriors drafted... Steph Curry, and then gave him a bargain basement deal. They drafted Draymond Green in the second round. They drafted Clay Thompson at number whatever eleven, I believe it was. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's those are some great picks. And while the Jazz have made some really good picks with Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert, and that's why they do have the the flexibility that they will have this summer and next summer. Right. Uh, they also drafted Alec Burks. They also drafted Leonard. Alec Burks, and they drafted you know Trey Lyles and didn't get yeah. anything. You know, got Trey Burke. Donovan, but yeah, drafted Trey Burke. You know, there have been mistakes made, and so we. We have to acknowledge that. I would also say this, and maybe it's because we're far away from L.A. or because you're not actively rooting for the Lakers, or it's because there's so much, so many fun things to do when you're in Los Angeles that you don't have to be a Lakers fan when they're bad. Mm. They haven't made the playoffs since 2013. No, they're bad. That hurts. We had That's a segment a on the show really, called LOL Lakers, yeah, just right. laughing how much they sucked. It's, it's rough to be a diehard Lakers fan. The good news is you can go to the beach and it doesn't matter. You can't go to the beach in Utah. These are you know, beautiful there, mountains. There's some mountains. There's more in L.A. than there is in Salt Lake. If you want to have that type of lifestyle, it's nice in the winter. You know, like you can go outside. (laughs) You can go skateboarding or rollerblading or whatever you want to do. Go to Venice and, uh, you know, just look at people lift heavy things up. You can do those types of things that I think from a Utah perspective make it easier to be a Lakers fan. They also probably have more bandwagon fans. Well, you know they do because they have 50 million more fans than the Jazz have. Uh, So in that sense, you think it's easier to be a Lakers fan? If that was in Utah, you would just be dying right now. Sure. Five years of that, and what you came out of it was an under— Was uh, Kyle un- Kuzma and Brandon like Ingram? Kuzma, Ingram, and Lonzo Ball. Uh, of the three, only Kyle Kuzma has performed above what you would expect for yeah. his draft position. Right. Like, that's brutal. The only difference is that, yeah, they're, they're always—because they're L.A., and they had Kobe, and they had Wilt, and Jerry West, and Shaq, and they've done all this great stuff in their Kareem magic in their history— they're always going to be a destination. Cardi replied to us really quick and just said, I, I know that these teams are desirable to players. I just get lost where front office types say that we are hamstrung by money, yet teams that are seemingly paying much more still get higher-end players. The truth is that they're not paying much more, or at least haven't been in recent years. You know, Boston had a lower salary availability than the Utah Jazz did last offseason. Two years ago, Golden State had more cap room than the Utah Jazz did because of this cap jump and because they weren't paying Alec Burks and because you know it just happened to have put to be put together at this at the right time where you know these these contracts worked out. Uh, I I you know it's it's it it really is you know the Lakers have set it up so that they don't have very many contracts open or on their roster for this year. Right. Um, they, the same with the Jazz. Have done it for way. next season. Yeah. Yeah. Jazz have everyone expiring next year other than Rudy Gobert and Joe Ingles, and everyone else is on low contracts. The Jazz are designed to, to be good next year. TJ Jones, again on Twitter, would you take Meritich, Nikola Meritich, uh, now on the New Orleans Pelicans, at 12 to $14 million next year, or Kevin Love at $20 million? 
I don't know. Like, give me a year to decide. I could probably Miritich, but like, I don't have to decide this right now. Uh, That's like, I probably Miritich, right? Like, I I mean, I'd say probably Kevin Love. Okay. Like, we have a whole, like, this decision would be like 80% determined by what they do next year for me. Would you take Kuzma, also TJ Jones? Would you take Kyle Kuzma if it meant eating Luol Deng's contract? Probably, yeah. Oh, I wouldn't. How long is it? Two more years? Yeah, at least two more years and like $18 million each. Yeah, because at twenty million dollars, because that's what it combines, you could probably get a better player than Kyle Kuzma. Now you have his, you have you own his contract for eight years or seven years because you own his restricted right. free agency rights. That's what's interesting. I think that's worth the value over those next six years is again worth something in a trade or, um, or heck, you know, maybe Kyle Kuzma becomes good, or maybe he doesn't. Good. Right, he might not. He might that's be Jeff Green. Fear. Sure, but then again, you took on Dual Dang for two years. That's not like it's crazy. not exactly. It doesn't kill you. Okay. Right? I might have to be sold on it a little bit. Yeah, sure. Honestly, uh, can I, I, give I have those back? same kind of thoughts. I can give Malik Burks back, and yeah, Tabo Cephalosha, Ex- and yeah. Exactly. That's the thing is the Jazz can't make that trade without giving money back. But yeah, I would give him garbage. I might consider why, it. And you know, like, Jazz would probably play Luol Deng, which is the weird thing. Jazz would find a role for him. I don't think they would. You can play Luol. They didn't play Joe Johnson. I mean, they did the first year, but not this. Uh, I guess they did. Watch they your did mouth. A little bit this year. Talk about Joe Johnson that Joe way. Johnson's great. Uh Here's the here's the thing though that's a question that Atlanta can ask themselves and the Jazz can't because the Jazz don't have salary cap space to take right. on twenty five million dollars of deals. For ask nothing. that question, Sacramento. Talk to me about it. Sure. But yeah, Jazz have to send something back. All right, let's take a break. When we come back, you know what we haven't done? Let's just kind of go through picks in the draft and what do we like, what we didn't like. Okay. Because we talked a lot about the draft leading up to it and had, didn't really get a chance to review it. Yeah. That's next. It's the Salt City Hoop Show on ESPN seven hundred. Back to the analytics, opinions, and best breakdown of the Utah Jazz and the NBA. This is Salt City Hoops on Utah's number one sports talk, ESPN 700. Salt City Hoops show, ESPN 700. Andy Larson, Ben Anderson. About 30 minutes left. You want to tweet us, do so at Andy B. Larson or at Ben's Hoops on Twitter. It's the best way to get in touch with the show. You can also text us 877-353-0700. Andy, questions? Yeah, uh, one more from Clark Schmutz at Clark Pojo. It's July 1st at midnight. LeBron George, uh, LeBron James and Paul George have already turned you down. What's your first move? Is it to make Dante Exum an offer, Derek Favors an offer, or meet with some other free agent for some of the mid-level exceptions? Dennis Lindsay has notoriously kind of let guys go find their worth, right? A little bit? Yeah, um, I, mean, I mean... Most notoriously with Gordon Hayward. Gordon Hayward, but... Let who, Hayward go out there and find... I do feel like... I, I honestly, I'll need to look at it, but I feel like that's been a running kind of. I mean, of he thing signed Alec Jazz. Burks and Derek Favors to to deals um, before they had the chance to hit. One of them was um, good. Ennis Cantor and and you know Ennis Cantor traded maybe away I'm Rodney wrong. Hood. Maybe I'm just famously remembering Gordon Hayward. I think it, I think it is just Gordon, and, and I think they feel a little bit burned by it. Um, I mean, they they yeah they signed Rudy, but that was obvious. Yeah, you're obviously going to get Rudy Gobert back. He also hasn't been in a spot where he's had many first round draft picks to resign yet. Right. I mean, he's avoided this kind of situation, right? Um, so I, I think his first move is going to be um, making Dante Exum and Derek Favors an offer that fits the team uh, long term. Because you can sign and, those guys and still have a mid-level exception. Yeah, and uh, it does reduce your, their cap hold a little bit. So right. that's that's nice if you do want to go that way, although then you'd have to maybe make a sign-a-trade or something like that. Why I say not some other free agent? And, and maybe you know you're you're thinking big with this or something, and and I don't see that. But my thought is, 
those if you are signing someone to for the high level the the best player available for that big mid-level exception it's probably a guy who thinks he can get 12 million dollars a year and is going to be disappointed right like your will barton will barton thinks that he's going to get 12 sure. million dollars a year sure and he might not and so it's going to be have, have to be a few days before he can get nine uh trevor ariza same thing yep. you know like you go up and down the list of of those kind of free agents uh, Tyreek Evans, same thing. Uh, you know, it, it's those kind of guys. I think um, you you may want to wait a little bit. Um, JJ Redick again, same thing. Yeah, Andy Bailey on Twitter, the Andy Bailey yeah. uh, says by the end of the season, asking a question. Grayson Allen's role will be dot dot dot. Some of that depends on what the Jazz do in free agency. If you get Will yeah. Barton, Grayson Allen's role changes significantly. Uh, let's say you don't get Will Barton. Let's say you don't get a wing. I think he's Donovan Mitchell's primary backup. Huh. Over Dante. Oh, yeah. Okay. Uh, Dante. Dante. God, Godspeed, Dante Exum. No, I hope he does well. They're the same age. Right. Grayson's probably a better player than Dante Exum. Wow. What Why are you resigning Dante, Dante Exum, had a, Yeah. I, <laughs> good question. It's a hell of a question. You, I mean, you, uh, in my mind. Because you invested I, a lot in him? That's not a good reason, right? That's a sunk cost. Um, to me, you're hoping that that he can improve, right? Like I think you're, you're hoping he's a point guard, and I don't think he's a point guard. I don't know that the Jazz even hope. I, I think they hope that he can be a contributor. Yeah, I hope he can be in the NBA. Uh, okay, I, I could see that. Um, I think it is more likely that he is not the backup point guard. I, I, I would still put it as how more many likely that Donovan, Dante stays. How many minutes is Donovan Mitchell playing this year? 36 a night. So there's 12 minutes behind him? I think Grayson Allen could do that. Yeah, I mean, I, I kind of look at it as you've got 96 guard, guard minutes, minutes. Right. right. Um, And so, yeah, you're playing Donovan, 36 of those, Ricky Rubio, 30 of those. And then you've got Grayson Allen, Dante Exum, and Royce O'Neal for the other. Royce is your best 22. next player. 32. Yeah. Royce is the best of those next group of guys. And then I think Grayson, I wouldn't be surprised if you trust him more than you do Dante Exum even by the end of the season. Yeah, you might. I, I wouldn't be surprised either. Um. I okay. Can I put it this way? I wouldn't be surprised, but I still think it's likely that Dante is the guy over Grayson. Huh. And, and again, maybe that's part of it is because I'm not a huge believer in Grayson Allen right away. But there are just so few rookies who are good right away at the NBA level, and especially you know what we know of Grayson Allen or what we think we know of Grayson Allen, and then um, kind of the the question marks that he has in terms of being able to create and those sorts of things. Who do we know more about, Grayson Allen or Dante, Dante Exum? That's a good point. Uh. You and I probably know more about Grayson Allen. The Jazz probably know more about Dante. I mean, they know more than both of us about both of them. Sure, of course. But uh, compared to each other. I bet we know more about Dante than we do Grayson. That's my suspicion. Yeah, you're, Four years. Yeah, you're right. Four Plus, different rosters. We don't know the NBA. And he's yeah. always been with arguably the best player in college basketball yeah, right. every single year. Jaleel Okafor absolutely was the best player in college basketball, which is... Such a damning statement about college basketball. Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Then Brandon Ingram to the NBA leap is Brandon Ingram. I mean, he may have not been the best player, but he was really good even in college. Jason Tatum, obviously very good. Even had like Frank Jenks, Frank Jackson on that team. There was that team was weird. Uh, and then last year, Marvin Bagley might have been the best player in college basketball too, alongside DeAndre Ayton, whoever yeah. you want to mention. I mean, he he always had maybe the best player next to him, and they were all different players, which is weird. And Grayson Allen was asked to play off of all of them. So I, I'll I'll take that. I feel com- I feel confident okay. saying that. I think Grayson Allen is going to be the Jazz primary backup to 
Donovan Mitchell. Okay. And assuming some of those skill sets. Now, Royce O'Neal probably plays more, but he doesn't. he's not a ball-in-hand guy. And you probably don't want Grace Allen to be a ton of ball-in-hand guy, but he'll do some more than Royce O'Neal. Okay, but if Royce O'Neal's playing more than, than Grayson, then you've got then he's playing 17 minutes a game and Grayson's playing 10 minutes a game, which you know might be the case. Yep. But, okay. Yeah, and okay. I'm comfortable with that. He's a 21 pick. Yeah, that's I'm I'm comfortable with that too. I think that's actually a good outcome for the Jazz. Um, I don't know that it's that likely. I'm I, again. I'm not a Grayson buyer. Sure, I have no idea what to buy on on Dante. I mean, I don't know why I would yeah. be a Dante excellent buyer either. Because he, he looked cool he against Memphis. Well. Yeah, and he did. He guarded James Harden well. I think he there's a possibility Dante Exum's a regular season guy because he has such l- defined weaknesses that um, it's hard to play him in the playoffs if you've got better choices. Right, and the, the there also is a problem of how do you play him off of the guys in the backcourt that the Jazz already have, and that's where Grayson Allen actually might make sense. If yeah. Grayson Allen is a consistent shot maker, you might no have to play him over Dante Exum. Agreed. Agreed. Good question, uh, uh, Andy. Jazz Nation asks any word on why no Nigel Williams Goss on the Jazz Summer League roster. We don't know. We you know we haven't heard right. anything about this. Our guess was because of his contract with uh, his overseas team. What, what was the name of it? It's, um, I, I forget anyway. Um, maybe a multi-year deal, and so he doesn't want to risk the the money he's making as as that league's MVP um, for the summer league. It also may just be a timing thing or something weird like that. I speculated he might play in Vegas. Partisan. I, partisan. Thank yeah. you. Um, they were really good this year, but um, yeah, I, it's a mild disappointment. But he also didn't do anything in summer league last year, so he was really bad last year. Really, in really bad. Uh, it's a disappointment. That's a guy you want to see go and play in Europe and get better and come back and be good and yep, replace Howell Neto. And yeah, uh, not playing in summer league diminishes. But he's not his playing in the Jazz summer league. You, like you said, he might play in Vegas. Right. Yeah, I mean, you hold out hope that might just be a total long shot. But again, he's been in Salt Lake, and it's not an accident. It's not like he has family here. Right. He's, he clearly likes jazz, clearly working out for them, et cetera. Uh, let's take a break. When we come back, I told you we would uh, look yeah. over the draft really quick. Uh, but we'll take your questions, and we're still getting them. At Andy B. Larson on Twitter, at Ben's Hoops. We'll answer those. If uh, we don't get to the draft, we don't get to the draft. That's okay. There's always more uh, to we'll talk, talk about. about it for like one minute. That's <laughs> next. The Salt City Hoop Show, ESPN 700. The home of the best Utah Jazz and NBA breakdown is right here. This is Salt City Hoops on Utah's number one sports talk, ESPN 700. Salt City Hoops show, ESPN 700. Final segment, about 10 minutes left. Always uh, love to hear from you on Twitter at Andy B. Larson on Twitter at Ben's Hoops. Andy's the managing editor for Salt City Hoops, the beat writer for the Utah Jazz at KSL.com. I'm the co-host of Gunther and Ben, 2-6. to six. Right here on ESPN 700. Questions, Andy, and we'll get to some draft, maybe. Yeah. Um, real quick, we'll do, we'll do a lightning round kind of thing. But uh, Daryl Sisk asking, what percentage would you put on Derek Favors returning, and at what realistic price? I b- still believe that the most likely outcome is a one-year deal at about what he's making now, twelve million dollars a year. Um, and I think percentage-wise on him returning, I would say seventy percent, which is higher than I've ever thought it was w- would be. You know, we yeah. talked about it last year during the trade deadline two years ago. Is him almost certainly leaving, and it just turns out that all of the suitors have one by one eliminated themselves. Uh, and it doesn't. It's a good. Terry Favors is a good player. Yeah, and he helps you, and he's a great option when Rudy Gobert goes down. And he's going to go down for ten games a season because yep. guys do. Uh, and he's a great option there. And he's. I don't think he's a locker room headache. I think you nope. clearly the article that Tony Jones wrote kind of illustrated that they figured it out. The Jazz and Derek Favors have figured it out, and 
Let him play for you. Yeah, he's It'll never been you. a problem. Um, it, even when he's been frustrated with his role, and that's been frequently over the last couple of years, he's never been a problem in the way like a, a Rodney Hood or a Trey Lyles or a Trey Burke was. But the one uncontrollable here is that Derek is going to say nice things about the Jazz because he's a nice guy, and he is a nice guy. Yeah. And he still gets to go out and talk to other teams, and he's yep. going to do that. Uh, I think he's going to go talk to the uh, teams. He absolutely will. And if he gets a better offer than that, then he's gone. I just don't think it, he will. Yeah. But he might because he does things well. He's a good center. He's good. Jazz just have a better center. That's the weird thing about him. Yep. But on a right team, his numbers could go up, and he could play a bigger role, and he could close games and still make the playoffs. Uh, Rambo Ute, would Rodney Hood be a free agent option for the Jazz? No. No. Nope. Uh, because he disqualified himself by how he left, by uh, asking for a trade and being a whiny about it. A baby. You yeah. little baby, Rodney. <laughs> yeah, a little bit he was. Yeah, and he, I love Rodney to death, but yeah, he was. He handled it poorly. Um, Daryl Sisk asking, barring any crazy trades and assuming a relatively healthy season, what's your best case free agent scenario to improve the team from last year? I mean, Let, Let's not be facetious and say Paul George. LeBron James? Okay, LeBron. <laughs> yeah, Kevin Durant. He didn't say realistic, but sure. yeah. Just no crazy trades. Best case. I mean... Best case is like Trevor Ariza gets Trevor pissed Ariza's off interesting. in his Houston Rockets negotiations and will sign a mid-level with the Jazz. I don't think that that's really realistic at all. You know, that's a that's a two percent possibility kind of thing. So beyond that, I'm you know honestly I'm looking at Will Barton is probably the best player available that you can sign. Um, JJ Redick I still think would help you a lot, and I I love the idea of putting him next to Donovan Mitchell. Um, I, I, beyond that. Uh, I mean, I I think Tyreek could help a lot, even though he's kind of a weird fit. I like Tyreek. Um, yeah, I like the idea that he hopefully he's been humbled. I like the yeah. idea that he's been around the league a little bit, and you know, and here's the other thing: he just played for bad teams. He was never a bad guy. He just played for bad teams. I'm sorry, Sacramento, you're terrible, and you drafted him, and he was good, and then you were terrible, and you didn't know how to handle goodness. You've never done that well. Uh, and, and you hope that because he's been around the leagues, he's had some injuries, because he has sixty million dollars, that maybe his context of his role in the league has changed enough that he's got a good he's willing to buy in on what he could be because he could help the Jazz if you get good Tyreek Evans and there have been guys who were problems in the past that find new roles that become beloved in cities think Zebo in Memphis was a nightmare in Portland a nightmare in New York ends up in Memphis and all of a sudden he's what you know that's the right situation they talk about retiring his number there and and Tyreek hasn't you know I don't think Tyreek has ever gotten to the Zebo. He's not a bozo, right? Yeah, Zebo. I don't know that he's bozo. a right. I don't know that he's a. He's shown that he's not maybe not a plus basketball player. Like he's never been in a winning situation and been good on a winning team, and that's really worrying. But maybe maybe he figures it out. I don't. I don't hate the Tyreek idea. Um, I, I'm I don't think full mid level exception, and that's probably what he wants. Yeah, right. Uh, I, I agreed on that. What's the ideal type of player the Jazz need to acquire in free agency? Stretch four, three and G wing. I think it's a stretch four. Um, the problem is that I don't know that there are enough stretch fours in this class um, or any really good stretch fours beyond, uh, you know, Bielitsa is a clear kind of stretch four option. But again, I don't think he's a full MLE kind of player. I think you'd, given how old he is and how non-impactful he was in Minnesota, you would you would hope for better if you were going to spend $9 million a year on a player. Any interest in Navy Bradley? No. He was really bad this year. Really bad for two teams. Yeah. JJ Redick? Love him. Wow. I, I, and he's old, so like you don't want to sign him to a long-term deal. But 
that kind of spacing, I, I, I just have that. If Quinn Snyder had someone who could shoot on the move like J.J. Reddick can, I think he'd use it to open up so many different clever things for the big men inside that it would be it'd be really fun. How much money does Brook Lopez get? We've talked about Brook before. I'm still out on Brook Lopez. Yeah, pretty hardcore. Um, what if he's your backup center? Could you trick him into being a backup center? Sure, because no one's going to gonna sign him to be their starter. Smart. Yeah. So yeah, he's if he wants to be in the NBA, he's going to be a backup center. Like, would you but, rather have Brook Lopez as your backup center than Ekpe Udo? I don't think that's a hard question. Yes. Yeah. 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 You got to pay him a lot more. Right. Yeah, I don't know that you do. I don't know that there's this huge market for Brook Lopez. Seven footers who can shoot. Who? Who signs him? He has got the same Derek Favors problem. Like I, I know they do different things, but like nobody needs big men. Contavious Caldwell Pope, probably no interest there. Kyle Anderson, restricted, probably gets matched. Maybe. Wayne Ellington. Wayne Ellington's fun. Really interesting. Yeah. Might be the best shooter that in the might NBA. Be, that's a good mid level option that we we didn't uh realize but yeah in terms of his his ability to shoot the ball what and shoots off into, motion which is absolutely yeah. something that jazz don't have and what we mean by that is running full speed on the perimeter and catching a ball and turning and getting a good shot right off. Joe Ingles really is well. one of the best players in the NBA at shooting there's no question about right. it he's a standstill shooter for the most part though. right so Wayne Ellington at 30 how old's JJ Redick now uh 33 I believe so he's a little bit older yeah Wayne Ellington like if you don't get JJ and you liked JJ Wayne Ellington's pretty interesting, and you like the coaching he's had, and right. it's a good sign that he went to Miami and got better. Yeah. You you wish all these guys were threes and fours instead of twos and threes, but honestly, I think you can play a little bit small next to Rudy Gobert and be okay, especially you if you also keep Derek Favors. Wayne Ellington averaged 11 points last season, uh, three rebounds, one assist, but he's never supposed to pass the ball when he catches it. That's the thing about Wayne Ellington. 40% from the floor, which is not great, but 39% from the three-point line and a career 38%. 39% on seven and a half attempts last year. I like that. It's <laughs> a good number. Good. Wayne Ellington's a, and a he's unrestricted. That's the nice thing. That. He's yeah. unrestricted. That's another guy we should be talking about along with J.J. and Will Barton that maybe the Jazz would like all along. Yeah, and, and you know, I don't know. It's weird. We haven't had, like, an off-ball shooter like that who can't run the pick and roll, right? Like, that's what Joe Ingles got so much playing time for at the beginning was he, he could run that pick and roll and be a little bit of a playmaker. We haven't seen a play finisher um, really play for Quinn yet. And I'm I'm kind of curious how that would work. I think Rodney was supposed to be. Yeah, that's a good point. I never turned into it. But even Rodney could pick and roll a little bit yeah. and, and more than any of those three guys can. Uh, draft, anyone stand out to you? Or do we have more questions? Do we want to get some uh, final questions here? I, I think I don't we're out of questions. questions. Yeah, let's, let's do draft. Who uh, did you love in the draft? Like what? What team do you think actually? Had oh, a I love what draft? Dallas did getting Luka Doncic. That's I brilliant. I agree with you. Um, Atlanta losing Luka Doncic is crazy. And um, I really liked Atlanta's draft. You did. They got the three best they, shooters in the first round, and I like that. Okay. Yeah. You got Trey Young, who if Trey Young hits and he's Steve Nash, but he's not. He might be. Okay. Oklahoma was so bad last year, and he was so good. Part of the problem. Because okay, he's crazy. Because his usage was um, insane, but when he was good in the early in the season, before teams realized like just throw five guys at him, and Oklahoma can't do anything because nobody on his team can do anything. Yeah, he had five players defending him every single time he was on the floor. Or did he have a good ten game shooting stretch and then use that to take fifteen bad shots a game? For sure, the next he started taking games. bad shots. He got a little drunk on his power. Yeah, <laughs> he, <laughs> he got drunk on power. I like him. I don't like him as much as Luka Doncic. That was a mistake. He yeah, I like what real, they did with Kevin Herter. He has huge boomer bust potential. I like Amari Spellman. Yeah, I do For a too. team that needs a shooter next to Collins, who they drafted last year, they got three guys who are realistically 40% three-point shooters. Yeah, I, I, I like that. Um, I think trading 
Trey Young for Luka Doncic is going Might to haunt be you forever. one of the yeah the all time big draft mistakes, and so it kind of disqualifies whatever Kevin Herders you get later. Um, I thought the Shea Gilgis Alexander for Miles Bridges trade was real weird. Like, why is Charlotte getting Miles Bridges? That's right when they needed Shea Gilgis Alexander. <laughs> yeah. when that's who they needed. <laughs> yeah, Miles Bridges way out on him. Not because of the tweets so much. The tweets, no, some, some of them were funny. Uh, some of them were awful. Oh, what? <sighs> some of them were awful. One of them made me laugh. But uh, the fact he ended up at Charlotte makes me like him so much less for some reason. And that's not... I like Charlotte. I don't like hate with anything Charlotte's ever done. It's a weird fit. Yeah, it's a weird fit. And they needed a point guard, and they got Miles Bridges. So that was weird for me. Uh, I mean, it may mean that they keep Kemba Walker for this year. So I don't love Lonnie Walker it. to the Spurs as much as people are thinking. And maybe no. I'm just dinged on the Spurs because they lost Kawhi and they somehow mismanaged that situation. But there's a reason Lonnie Walker slipped down the draft. Because he is a crazy person who, you know... Is more even flat earth than Kyrie is? Yeah, people talk about him like he's this can't-miss prospect because he was a oh, great athlete. So. It's like, did you? People were saying, like, as long as the injuries aren't a problem, he's uh, a superstar. I don't think like, so Did you watch all. him in Miami? The guy was nuts sometimes. I think, you know, if the injuries aren't a problem, he might be Corey Brewer, you know? like <laughs> Yeah. I, I, like, I, I don't think his upside's what it what people say. Yeah, is. this is not the guy who was there that you just say, oh, man, how did he fall? There's no way that was possible. Yeah. What do you think about Michael Porter? That's a perfect spot for him. Denver. Yeah, I mean, it might be a bad spot because he may want more attention. That might be the wrong thing for him. Mm. I do think there's something about the magic of going to the Lakers that brings out good things in Kyle Kuzma. It could ruin his career going to a place like Denver where he's not noticed. Okay. Because that may be what he thrives on, is big moment, big play. But Denver was, what, a game out of the playoffs last year? And got a guy who might be the number one overall pick? Yeah. Good. I'll take uh, that. Anthony Simons, I thought, was a weird pick for Portland. Portland uh, had a horrible draft. Robert Williams falling to Boston. I, I think that's good, but then he also didn't show up for his draft day. There's a reason he dropped. Like, like Jazz are smart. They would have drafted him if they thought he was better. Also, he's a big man and just nobody needs big men. Again. But he's a rim runner. Might be Clint Capella. I don't think he is. I agree. I think he's short. Uh, that'll do it for us. <laughs> big thanks to uh, everyone who tuned in. Download the podcast and catch us next week. This is the Salt City Hoop Show. He's Andy Larson. I'm Ben Anderson. It's ESPN 700.